You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter 9 in your Bibles, we started... We started in this chapter last week. We got a little ways through it. We saw number one in chapter nine. We saw Israel's plea. Uh, Remember when they put on uh, sackcloth and they began to pray and confess their sins and cry out to God. Their plea was for God to hear them and for God to forgive them. We saw last week Israel's purity. They separated themselves from the strangers. They separated themselves from those who were uh, anti-God and those who were uh, against the word of God. And they said, we want to be separate from the wicked, but we want to be set apart to God. Then we saw Israel's praise. They said, we're going to stand up. We're going to bless the Lord. We're going to talk about how good God is. And then last week we saw God's position. Number four, and that is that our God has a name that is exalted above every name. It is a name that is exalted. It is glorified. It ought to be magnified. It is a name above all names. And we saw that last week. I'd like to pick up where we left off last week. I'd like to pick up today. Number five, I want you to see God's plan here in Nehemiah chapter 9. It begins in verse number seven, when the people are praising God and they say in verse number six, thou, uh, even thou art Lord alone. And then in verse seven, it says, thou art the Lord, the God who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham. And foundest his heart faithful before thee and madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it, I say, to his seed and hast performed thy words for thou art righteous. I'd like to look this morning at God's plan for his people. Lord, please speak to our hearts. Give us what we need. Thank you for this service. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be here today. I pray that you'd bless us. In Jesus' name we ask and pray these things. Amen. I see God's plan. We have in our family, and I I said this in the early service, and I'll say it in this service uh, since uh, she is uh, in junior church, but we have a child in our family who likes to plan everything for everybody. That's wonderful. The problem is she's five. And she doesn't always know the best plans for the family. We were talking the other day about uh, Kylie, and, and, uh, and I thank the Lord. I think that's, it's, a, it's a strength, but it's also it's, it's a challenge. But she will ask questions like, she'll say, um, Dad, where are we going tomorrow after school? And I'll tell her whatever it is, and she'll say, what time are we leaving? The girl doesn't even know how to tell time. I mean, but she wants to know what time. Uh, How long are we going to be there? When are we coming home? What are we going to do when we get home? And I'm not exaggerating. As a matter of fact, I'm cutting it short. But I want to tell you, she's got plans for everything. And she wants to plan your life for you. She wants to plan our life for us. 
And uh, of course, the older sisters, Lacey and Savannah and Chloe, they don't appreciate it much when Kylie's trying to tell them what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. But we laugh and it's humorous or whatever, but she doesn't plan the family. She's five years old. However, I wonder sometimes, I wonder how God must feel in heaven the God that created us, the God that knows everything about us, the God that, that, that is all-powerful, the God that is uh, omnipresent, He's everywhere at the same time. I wonder how that God feels when we try to take over the planning of our lives. I wonder how God feels when we tell God, in essence, we say, God, I don't need your plan. I know how to live my own life. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my home. I know what's best for my future. And the reality is, it's a whole lot worse than a five-year-old trying to plan for a family when God in heaven knows everything and we try to take over the planning. I'll say this, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you and God's plan is a whole lot better than your plan. His plan is a whole lot better than my plan. His ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, but we see God's plan. We see in this verse, verse 7, that God had a plan for Abraham. Notice with me in verse number uh, 7, it says that he chose Abraham. Now, we read on in verse 8, and we see that God found Abraham's heart was faithful. But I think if we're honest, we, we, would, we would have to say that it's hard to imagine why God would choose any of us, even at our best. Because before God came along, before God reached down and saved us, we were all just a bunch of sinners that had nothing to offer God. We had nothing good in ourselves. We were all uh, wicked and unclean, and we were without hope and without God in this world. But God saw something in us that He decided He was going to choose us. Now you say, well, well, who does God choose for salvation? God chooses everyone that chooses him. Who can get saved? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God chooses all of us for salvation, but then God chooses to use us in his service. I can't believe that God would choose to use me. I can't believe that God would, would say, I will take Jeremy Coburn and I will use him. By the way, God wants to use you. God wants to use all of us. God has a plan for our lives. God chose Abraham. But secondly, I see that God charged Abraham. It says that he brought him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees. You know what God did to Abraham? God took him from his comfort zone. God took him from his family. God took him from a place that he knew and God sent him to a place where he had never been. God had a plan for Abraham and that plan was so much better than Abraham could have ever imagined. God's plan for you is better than you could imagine. You see, we are, we're here now. We're on this earth right now, but God has a plan for us. It's called heaven. God has a place where it's so much better. Your worst, your worst day in heaven is going to be so much better than your best day on earth. It's not even a comparison. I want to say this. God has something better for you in heaven. 
The Bible says, Our eye has not seen, and our ear has not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. God has things better for you than you could ever begin to imagine. But not just in heaven. God's got better things for you down here. I'm not talking about you're going to, you know, wake up one morning and you're going to have a million dollars or $10 million or you're going to have a a mansion or you're going to have a a fancy sports car. I'm not saying you're never going to get sick. I'm not saying you're never going to have problems. Here's what I am saying. I'm saying that God's got blessings for you and blessings for me that we could never imagine. God has the blessings of peace and joy and happiness and contentment and satisfaction. God's blessings. You can't put a price tag on God's blessings. And God has a better plan for you and for me than we could ever imagine. God chose Abraham. Secondly, God charged him. God charged him to leave his father's country and go to a place where he'd never been. But then I see, thirdly, God changed Abraham. Notice what it says in verse number seven. He chose Abram. And it says that he gave him the name of Abraham. Now, Abram, that name means exalted father. That's good. And I think Abram thought he was going to be a father and he was going to have a family. But God said, I've got bigger plans for you than just your family. God said, I'm going to call you Abraham. The name Abraham means father of a multitude. Because from Abraham would come... An entire nation. From Abraham would come a nation, and from that nation would come the Word of God. From that nation would come the Messiah. From that nation, the gospel would go out to the Gentile nations, and all the world would have the truth because of Abraham's family and because of his influence. Now here's the amazing thing. Abraham got that promise from God when he was young. But here is Abraham and Sarah, and they're up in years, 190 years old, respectively. And they still hadn't even had a son. And yet God still blessed them. He gave them uh, Isaac. He fulfilled his promise in them, even though it didn't happen right away. You may be here today and you may say, man, God hasn't come through. God still hasn't answered that prayer. God still hasn't fulfilled this. God still hasn't revealed this plan. Well, I'll tell you this morning, hang on tight. Because if God made a promise, he's going to keep it. It doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how old I am. Doesn't matter how long we wait. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And Abraham saw that God's plan was so much better than his plan could ever be. We see God's plan. Number six, we see in verse number eight, we see God's promise. God said that he found Abraham's heart faithful and he made a covenant. He made a promise with him. And the end of verse eight says that he performed his words because he is righteous. God's promise to Abraham, he said, because you have been faithful. He said, I'm going to make a promise with you. I like that in verse 8. It says, and foundest his heart faithful. Did you know that God is looking for faithful hearts today? God is looking for faithful servants. God is looking for faithful husbands and wives and faithful uh, 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 parents and uh, faithful grandparents and faithful teenagers. and, And God is looking for faithful Christians today. 
The, the great thing about faithfulness is that any one of us can do it. You don't have to go to Bible college to learn how to be faithful. You don't have to have a, a degree in engineering to be faithful. You don't have to be in the military. You don't have to be in the medical field. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a high IQ. You don't have to be talented. You just have to do what God's told you to do. You just have to obey. And God is looking for faithfulness still today. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. God is looking and he is searching for faithful people. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God gave the report on Abraham. He said Abraham had a heart that was faithful. I wonder if God showed up at Victory Baptist Church, and I believe he shows up every service. But I wonder if God showed up, and I wonder if he started handing out report cards. I wonder if he started handing out evaluations. You remember those days, getting your report card the old-fashioned way? You remember how nervous you were? Opening that up, and it wasn't just for you. It's like, what are my parents going to say when they see this report card? Yeah, amen to that. But I wonder if you got that report card from the Lord and I wonder if you opened that up and the Lord said, I have found your heart to be faithful. You know what that's called? Mission accomplished. You know what that's called? Successful life when you are found faithful before God. Abraham, his heart was found faithful. God is looking for faithful people and God says that he will keep his promise to you and God will keep his promise to me. I see not only God's plan, number five, number six, I see God's promise, but number seven, I see God's perception. Notice what it says in verse number nine. It says, and God, he did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and he heard us their cry by the Red Sea. Now, remember, this is the children of Israel. They have gathered together. They have completed the building of the wall. And they've gathered together and they're praising God and they are reviewing God's blessing in the nation of Israel. That's why they were talking about Abraham. Now they shift and they're talking about what God did for his people in Egypt. In verse 9, it says that God saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. I, I used to be a little more specific in preaching with giving names, but I try to be careful now with the internet and all that. But I won't give names publicly, but afterwards I'll tell you the names if you want to. When I was in elementary, I was, and, and by the way, everybody, everybody had this. I'm not the only one I know. But when I was in elementary, there were a couple boys that were older than me in elementary that picked on me. That'd be a good time for you to say, oh, you don't care, do you? It's because some of you were the bullies in school. No. But there were a couple boys in, in, that were a little bit older than me, and boy, they'd pick on me. They were mean. They were tough. They were rough. And... And I didn't do this, but if I would have ever gone home and I'd ever said, you know, mom, these boys were picking on me. First of all, she'd say, toughen up. You know, that's what she'd say. Well, maybe. Some mom, sometimes mom would say, oh, poor Jeremy. But most of the time it'd be, ah, you'll be okay. But if I were to ever have to be specific. Now think about this. 
Now imagine, anybody else, did you ever have anybody in school that gave you a hard time when you were younger? Okay, all right. Not many hands. That means, that means you were the one probably giving everybody else a hard time. How many of you are sitting next to somebody that they were probably the one uh, giving rather than receiving? Oh my, we got George and Hilda pointing at each other. That's going to be, Brother George, if you need a place for lunch, let me know, brother. We'll, you can come with us. But if I were to try to be specific and I were to say, Mom, well, here's what they did to me, it would be kind of like, well, you know, you know how the accidents in the hallway, oh, you know, bump in, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there, you know. I think the, probably the, the most was out at the playground. You're playing basketball or you're playing two-hand touch football, you know what I mean? And it just gets a little rough. And when you got somebody that's bigger than you and tougher than you and they're just mean, you know, they don't mind just letting you have it. So it would be hard for me to actually to, 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 to write down or to, to pinpoint and say, well, this happened like this, and this happened like this, and this happened like this. That'd be hard. For the children of Israel, I think that would have been hard because their affliction in Egypt was every day. It was taskmasters. It, it was people that, that whipped them, people that beat them. People that forced them into hard labor. It was people that would not provide the food necessary. It'd be people that would have tried to make their life difficult. So if the Israelites had taken note and written everything down, they wouldn't have even been able to get it all themselves. But here's the amazing thing. God saw every time. God saw every hardship. God heard every rude and cruel word. God saw every beating. God saw every burden that they carried. God saw their affliction. Now let's bring it to 2022. What about your affliction? What about your burden? Maybe for you, maybe it's not a, a person who's, who's mistreating you, but maybe it's a physical need. That's your burden. And you try to explain it to somebody and somebody has a hard time even understanding it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's something totally different. Maybe it's, it's a spiritual need that you have. Maybe it's a situation in your marriage. Maybe it's a situation in your home. I don't know what it is, but whatever your burden is today, God knows. And even if you can't really put it into words, even if you really can't explain it, even if it's not a one-time event, but it's ongoing, every day you face it. God sees every day. God knows every pain, every emotion. God knows what you're going through. He is perceptive. He did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and he heard their cry by the Red Sea. God's perception. Not only does God see the daily burdens, but God sees the big events. God's people were at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was closing in. And the Bible says that they cried out and God heard and God answered. It goes on to say in verse number 11, And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of their sea on the dry land, and their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. It's amazing to me to see how God perceived, God knew what his people were going through. I want to remind you this morning, God knows what you're going through. God knows the burdens you face. He knows the struggles you face. And not only does he know, but he cares and he can do something about it. 
Aren't you glad for a God that says, you can cast all your care upon me because I care for you. I see quickly, number eight, I see God's power. God demonstrated in verse nine, he demonstrated his power in Egypt with the plagues. God divided the sea in verse 11. Verse 12, God led his people day and night. He led them during the day by a pillar of cloud and he led them at night by a pillar of fire. Here's the amazing truth is that God saved his people from Pharaoh, but then he did not leave his people on their own. Did you know God saved us from sin? God saved us from hell and he didn't leave us. He saved us and he wants to lead us. He wants to help us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He gave us the Bible to lead us. He gave us the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us to lead us. And God didn't save you to leave you. He saved you to lead you. Are you letting him lead you? Or are you trying to get out in front? God, I got this. I know the way. Hey, let's get back to God's plan. Let's get back to God's leading. God's power was demonstrated for his people. Verses 13 and 14, he came down uh, to Mount Sinai and he spake to them and he gave them his word. I'm thankful we have the word of God. I'm thankful we have the Bible that we can hold in our hands and we can live our lives accordingly. Lastly, this morning, I see, lastly for this morning, we've got more in this chapter, but lastly for today, I see number nine, God's provision. It says in verse 15 that he gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. And he brought forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And he promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou had sworn to give them. I see God's provision. Now, God not only sees your burdens, God only, not only sees the, what you're going through, he not only hears your cry, but then God meets your needs. The children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness and God fed them Every single day. God gave them water to drink every single day. Did you know for 40 years in the wilderness, not one of the children of Israel died from starvation or dehydration? God met every need for 40 years. When my wife's sister, Rachel, and her husband, Jerry, were here a few weeks ago, the missionaries to Tanzania... Brother Richard, I'll, I'll be curious to talk to you about uh, this, this same concept because I think from your uh, vantage point in Papua New Guinea, I think it'd probably be very similar. But we were talking one night. The kids were out playing, being wild and crazy, you know, and having a good time. And the adults, we were just talking about Tanzania. We we're talking about the mission field. And, and it, on the mission field, they've got a feeding center there. They try to feed the kids who literally just they don't have anything. And Joanna asked the question to Jerry. She asked the question. She said, well... She said, is it hard for people in Africa to even understand or, or relate to things like in the United States? We talk about, you know, God supplying our needs or God's going to take care of us and all that. But what about in Africa where, where people are starving? I think you use this verse. I jotted this reference down, but it says in Psalm 37, 25, David said, I have been young and I now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And, and Joanna asked really that question, said, is that, is that hard for people in Africa to, to comprehend because people are so hungry, people are so needy? 
It was amazing the answer he gave. Jerry said, you know, that verse is true in the United States. And that verse is also true in Africa. And they've been there a long time. He grew up on the mission field. He said, I've never seen anybody that loved God, was serving God. I've, I've never seen anybody go hungry. God always takes care of them. God always meets the needs. It's almost as if, now stay with me here for a minute. It's almost as if the same God in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, is God in Tanzania, East Africa. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. How about this? It's almost like the same God that led the children of Israel through the wilderness is the same God in 2022. It's almost as if the God that made the promises in this book right here is still the same God today and keeps his promises to us. And I want to tell you this, God does keep his promises. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.